0: The Rangers finish off their longest road trip of the season so far, winning all three series on the road against AL West opponents. On today's show, I'm breaking down why the starting rotation is so incredibly dominant and the offense picking up a bullpen. Who cares about some stupid bullpen problems? All that and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network You are locked on the Texas Ranger. I'm Bryce Patrick, a criminally addicted Texas Rangers fan since 2010, the founder and host for all five seasons of this Locked On Rangers podcast. Thank you all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. You can follow the show at Locked On Rangers. Subscribe on YouTube for the best way you can help grow the show is to comment nearly any single thing below. Today is Monday, May 15th, and your Rangers are 25 and 15, 40 games into the season. They are four games atop the AL West, all alone above those Houston Astros. This was a massive road trip for the Rangers, who faced off against three different AL West opponents of three different varying qualities, and one, all but one game in every single series. They could have finished it off on a four-game sweep, or as the Sespedes family barbecue boys of their podcast call it a mop. I, I kind of like that term because it needs to, it's a little bit more than a sweep but the Rangers could not complete that because of a bullpen disaster on Friday night but in taking three out of four with three out of four really strong starting pitching performances and a massive massive ending to this one it looked like it was going to be another bullpen meltdown and maybe not as great a trip but an eight run eighth inning on Sunday's game really kind of put this game back into perspective the Rangers had not had any big innings against the A's in this series and you thought okay the A's pitching staff is is not super great they had taken two out of three up to this final game you thought okay eventually these bats are going to break out you you think I mean surely it's the A's pitching staff which is honestly pretty dreadful but The A's got some some pretty decent starting pitching, including in this one, J.P. Sears did did okay, only two earned runs in five and a third innings for him, but Andrew Heaney was excellent in this Sunday game. Only one run, which was earned in six innings of work, and a a nice double play to get out of a jam, a bases-loaded, no-outs jam for Andrew Heaney. But the offense came up big in this one. Jonathan Hernandez allowed a two-run home run to tie the game in the bottom of the seventh inning, thought, oh boy, here we go. The Rangers are, you know, uh, messed around and now they're gonna find out. I know there's a, a less PC way to to say that, but um, I'm not allowed to swear on this podcast anymore. So we're gonna we're gonna keep it PG, not not PC PG uh, version to say that. But Adolis Garcia comes in and says, nope, nope, we're gonna get this lead right back. Starts it off with a double, and the Rangers manufacture runs in all kinds of ways in this one, including capping it off with a grand slam from Adolis Garcia. He started off the scoring by being the first run to score. The Rangers eked out a run with. With singles up the middle with um, Leo Di Tavares beating out a grounding into a double play. They did it on errors by the A's. They just did it however they could. And credit to the Rangers, that's what good offenses do. They ended up hitting 6-for-15 with runners in scoring position. I think that was 1-for-8. And I think the last um, they went at a 5-for-7 stretch somewhere in there in this 8-run inning. But this is what this rangers offense does it's not always a whole bunch of home runs it's usually timely home runs with a lot of guys on base robbie grossman had his fifth home run in this one hitting in the two hole which as much as i love robbie grossman and he had a really great game in this one three hits for him including the home run and the double and a single as well three rbis and two runs scored It's about time for Corey Seager to come back. He hit 250 in his time with the Rough Riders this weekend. Three games for him. Did not play on Sunday. That game was canceled due to rain. Bruce Bochy said that he could be back. Corey Seager, that is, could be back on Monday. We'll probably see him at some point in this series against the Braves. We also might see somebody else who was not in Frisco this year, but Cody Bradford will talk about that when we break down the rotation in the second segment of this show. But this offense, again, coming through clutch, doing just enough to get what they needed, including adding some insurance runs late in some of these games. The Rangers scored three in the first few innings, uh, the first four innings on Saturday. John Gray was absolutely cruising. A dominant start for him. Eight shutout innings for him there. And the Rangers thought about, maybe we'll bring in Will Smith uh, for the for the bottom ninth inning. And then the Rangers got a two-run home run from Ezekiel Duran in the top of the ninth inning for the really five-definite lead. thought, okay, well, we don't really need to do that anymore. And you can just bring in some lower leverage guys. Good to see the Rangers get some guys um, in some low leverage situations, some guys, because they have a few new guys in the bullpen, including no longer Ian Kennedy. He was designated for assignment. I did not see that coming. He hasn't been super great for the Rangers. The expected numbers say that his his numbers shouldn't be that bad, but he doesn't have elite stuff, so I, I don't hate it. He might end up getting claimed by some other team and ending up at their bullpen, but not a huge, huge loss for the Rangers. It does clear up a 40-man spot, which... I think might end up going to Cody Bradford at some point in this series against, uh, against Atlanta. We'll see. We have not heard any official word yet. And of course it'll probably official word will probably drop sometime like Monday morning, right after I've, I've dropped this podcast. So, um, just prepare for it at some point in this Atlanta series, because that's what I'm thinking. Um, but anyway, this offense coming up with timely hitting in these games you know a lot of them were were kind of close the rangers won 4 to nothing in the series opener they won by 8 runs and they won by 5 runs so they were kind of close not quite close enough and the bullpen implosion on Friday just getting some kind of closer games. Not every single game needs to be a win by 10 runs. We also got to see that Grand Slam was the 10th home run of the season for Corey Seager. Also got to see some extended hitting streaks for Jonah Heim, who is on a career-high hitting streak, and Nathaniel Lowe, who extended his hitting streak in his final at-bat of the game. Good to see him heating up just a little bit. His OPS is, uh, I believe, at 791. It's getting closer and closer to that 800 mark. I think maybe maybe June is where we start to see Nathaniel Lowe have one of those explosive months. I'm not saying he's necessarily going to have another month like he did in... You know, August of last year where he had 1,100 OPS for an entire month. But I think we're going to start to see a little bit more power out in Stanelo. We got to see home run from him on this road trip. We got to see some timely hitting and some more consistent offense from Marcus Simeon. But the depth of this lineup continues to impress an 0-5 day for Josh Young. In this one, he's been on a little bit of a downturn since his incredibly hot first month of the season and those first two home runs to begin this month. Maybe he might end up seeing a day off in this series against Atlanta. I think it might just be him being exhausted. This has been a long road trip for the Rangers, and, you know, credit to them. They powered through it. They did not let up in this final series against Oakland. Yeah, they did have the Friday night blown lead, but for the most part, they kept their foot on the gas pedal in a long series. It has been 10 days, I believe, since they had last had a a day off, and they'll have this three-game series against Atlanta who's coming off a rough road trip themselves and we'll be looking for some revenge to get things um, going back right for them but this is this is a talented team and I've said it from the start of the season if you can have going only good really good offense and really good starting pitching you will win a whole lot of baseball games now eventually the bullpen will need to be addressed and I think this offense while some of these guys I think are going to be I – mean, most of these guys I think are going to be at least above average major league hitters And Ezekiel Duran, guys like Jonah Heim and Josh Young, and even Leo Tavares, I think all those guys can be at least average if not better. They've been significantly better to start the season, and while there is a downturn coming for some of them, it's not going to come from all of them at the same time. So the depth of this lineup, then have been adding guys like Corey Seager back and maybe getting Mitch Garver back, I believe. The 23rd is when he is going to start his rehab assignment. And uh, we also had a Josh Smith injury. I don't think it's going to be too long for him, but we did find out that Travis Jankowski is going to be on the IL for more than the minimum amount of time. That is going to be a little bit of a bummer for the Rangers, but again, they've got some depth here. Hopefully we'll see fewer Brad Miller pinch hit at bats. Um, I don't know if Sam Huff is going to stay up when um, when Corey Seager comes back off the I.L. At some point, I think he might be one of the cursory moves. We also might see a Brad Miller move. But still, the depth of this lineup and the depth of this starting pitching through this entire road trip was just really on a freaking tear. We're going to get into that and why it is so incredibly impressive what they have done. But first, this episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it is all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So, the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part fits your needs the first time around. Just add your ride to the My Garage, look for the green check to know the part will fit, or your money ba- money back. Because just like in sports, confident is the name of the game when you shop with eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. And after all, it's easy to bring home the right parts um, and bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices at eBayMotors.com. Let's write: eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Now. Thank y'all so much to the everydayers for making Lockdown Rangers your first listen every day on tomorrow's show. We'll be talking hopefully about maybe a a Cody Bradford start, maybe a win to to start off that series against the Braves. The Rangers take on the Braves at 7:05 tonight. TBD versus Charlie Morton. We'll see if it's Dane Dunning. We'll see if it's uh, Cody Bradford, or we'll see who else it might be in that spot. You can catch every game with the Hometown Broadcast on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search Rangers. Now, the Rangers have had a sterling Starting rotation this entire season heading into Monday's game. They have a 341 ERA from their starting pitching, which is the fifth best in all of baseball. And not only is it good, it is incredibly deep, and they have done so without Jacob Grom for the better for more than two weeks at this point, and it'll probably be another few weeks before we see him back on the hill for the Rangers. But in the meantime, the Rangers have gotten quality pitching from pretty much everyone. I mean, Dane Dunning in his most recent start went six innings and just allowed a pair of earned runs against the Mariners in that really close one-run game to seal the series victory which was huge And the game before that he went five innings without allowing a single earned run against the Angels big outing for him there as well and it's good to see him getting some run as a starting pitcher he was started the season as the long reliever and did a really good job in that role coming in in random outings and you know, doing a really good job in mop up duty the last couple of starts, he's only thrown 71 pitches against Seattle and 72 against LA or Anaheim, whatever city you actually want to refer to them as. And I don't think he's done anything to lose his job in the starting rotation. I mean, Cody Bradford, it's if Cody Bradford is going to take Dane Dunning's spot, or maybe he's just going to come in for a start and kind of push everybody back, give everyone an extra day of rest. That might be the case, but I don't think that Dane Dunning has done anything to necessarily lose his spot in the starting rotation. It's really all about Cody Bradford. If you don't know who Cody Bradford is, he is the Rangers' six-round pick from the 2019 draft, a kid drafted out of Baylor, who is from Alito, Texas, Alito High School graduate, and he has been on another level this year with AAA Round Rock. He was the PCL Pitcher of the Month for April. So far, he was supposed to start on Sunday, but he was scratched kind of last minute. and Everyone's kind of looking around thinking, huh, well, that's interesting. That's actually what I was thinking when Ian Kennedy was designated for assignment, which opened up a 40-man spot. I thought, huh, that's not what I expected. That's a little interesting. But so far, through seven starts in AAA this year, he has a 0.91 ERA in 39 and two-thirds innings, 37 strikeouts to just 13 walks. That's under three walks per nine 8.4 Ks per nine and 0.2 home runs per nine. The guy does not have the most overpowering stuff, but he knows exactly what he's doing with it. He's got a fastball, a slider, a cutter, and a changeup. The changeup might be his best pitch, but the fastball is also pretty darn good sitting there in the low 90s. But the thing about this guy is he knows exactly what he's doing, he knows exactly where he is throwing, he can locate pitches on a dime and he is very, very effective with it. He is 6'4. He missed a lot of time with shoulder surgery that caused him to miss most of his final season at Baylor, but has recovered well and did very well down the stretch last year in double A. Don't look at his overall numbers to tell you the whole picture of what he did in double A last year. Look what he did down the stretch, including six shutout innings in the playoffs, was the Rangers or the Rough Riders Ace. In route to that Texas league championship was the best pitcher on that staff at that point, And that was really, really encouraging stuff to see from him. He's 25 years old, six, four hundred and ninety seven pounds. The kid has got the stuff, I think, to be a back end starter in a major league rotation. It's not anything that's incredibly dominant and there will be times where if he doesn't locate his stuff, he's going to get lit up by big leaguers, especially if it does come against this Braves offense. That's a, it's a really tough task. But I think the reason the Rangers might be doing that is because there will be a little bit less tape usually on guys when they come up for their first big league start. You kind of balance those. Okay, no one has really great scouting on him, um, at least not at the major league level. But you also have to worry about how nervous he would be. He would be at home. It would be cool for him to get his first start at home, um, whether it's in the series against the Braves or if it's coming up later on the weekend against the Rockies, the Alito kid getting his first start would be a very, very fun thing for the Rangers. But The the rest of the Rangers rotation has been really freaking good. The Rangers had a no-hitter going through seven innings for John Gray, finished that outing up with eight innings, three hits, two walks, and five strikeouts of shutout ball. And that is coming off back-to-back great starts for John Gray, who in the month of May has been fantastic. He's got a 2.21 ERA in three starts, 20 and a third innings, 15 strikeouts, and just three walks for him. He has been on a tear as of late. I mean, we already know Nathan Eovaldi did an entire Friday show talking about how dominant Nathan Eovaldi has been, 28 and two-thirds scoreless innings streak for Nathan Eovaldi. And the Rangers got a really good line for... Their number five starter, Andrew Heaney, six innings of one run ball with nine strikeouts, including a double play to get out of a bases loaded no outs jam. He fielded the ball with his bare hand, went to the catcher, and Jonah Heim was able to retire. I believe it was estuary Rees, who was the one who grounded into that double play. And Rees also had a couple of kind of bad errors in that one. The A's had four errors to the Rangers' zero in that Sunday win and that's another thing the Rangers are not doing. They are not beating themselves with bad defensive plays. They are kind of beating themselves in one, in close games with bad bullpenning and we'll talk about that later on. But the starting pitching has been so incredibly good and consistent in this 10-game uh road trip. They had a, the starters had a 2.57 ERA. That is with no Jacob DeGrom. I know I keep saying that, but look at it. It's important it's very, very important. They don't have, you know, those amazing, sterling Jacob DeGrom starts pulling those stats down and kind of, you know, throwing off the grading curve. It's every single one of these starters has been very, very consistent. Even Martin Perez, who's had a couple of rough outings back-to-back, and, you know, we've seen what Martin Perez can be when he gets on a hot streak. He was basically on a hot streak almost all of last season. And I think his numbers will normalize a little bit more. I think it'll, his ERA will come down below the, I believe it's over four at this point. Yeah, 425 through eight starts for martin perez i think that'll get better but the rangers rotation is deep it is loaded and even if cody bradford comes in and starts and if he leapfrogs dane dunning and and cole reagan's as the rangers number six starter that would be really impressive because we've seen what Dane Dunning can do. We've seen what Cole Reagans can do in stints. I, I think that I trust Cody Bradford in a starting role a little bit more than I do Cole Reagans at this point. That's not really through any fault of Reagans. It's just that Bradford has been really freaking good in AAA, and he's been a guy who I've liked for a while. It's nice to see him you know, staying healthy. That Shoulder injuries are always scary, especially when you have them in college. You think, okay, that's why the guy who was a Big 12 pitcher of the year went in the sixth round. It's because of that shoulder injury. He thought, okay, well, we'll we'll see how that goes. I believe it was a thoracic outlet surgery um, that he had in his junior year that caused him to miss that full season. And I think most of, of the next year, actually, it was 2020. So he was going to miss it anyway, because there was no minor league ball in 2020. But Bradford has been very consistent. He is a grown man pitcher, knows what he's doing, has a plan, executes it. Not the most incredible stuff, but I am still excited to see him get his shot. I'm excited for any of these kids to get their Major League debut. I'm pretty sure it's going to happen at this point. I know we only have rumblings, but I am feeling very confident in that, and the Rangers starting pitching in general. What I'm not feeling super confident in is this bullpen. They blew another game on Friday. We're going to get into all of that in this final segment. First, let's read from our sponsors. Thank y'all so much for making Lockdown Rangers your first listen every day on tomorrow's show or on uh, Wednesday's show. Hopefully I'll be talking about maybe the Rangers going for a serious win against the Braves and, um, Maybe we'll actually have some real knowledge about who is starting these games because the Rangers take on the Braves at 7.05 Central on Tuesday night as well. It is going to be TBD versus TBD, a real electric starting pitching matchup in that one. You can catch every pitch with the Hometown Broadcast on SiriusXM. Just download these SXM app and search Rangers. Now, the Rangers bullpen has definitely had some issues as of late. That Friday night game was just incredibly frustrating the Rangers kept getting one run and one run and one run and it wasn't it wasn't all terrible performances by the Rangers bullpen I mean Josh Spores came in and worked a scoreless inning I'm liking him in some of these more high leverage situations and I think the Rangers should start trusting him just a little bit more he's got a 263 ERA on the season we know the strikeout stuff is there we know the velocity and the spin rate on the fastball is there and same as the breaking stuff but overall on the season 13 and two-thirds innings pitched for him, 17 strikeouts to five walks. Um, opposing, opposing battings or hitters just hitters are hitting just 200 against him. And I know that we haven't seen him in a whole lot of high leverage situations. With Rangers' offer uh, options getting a lot more desperate and more desperate, I mean the Rangers believe in him. He has some potential for this high leverage situation pitching. He did it in college, and he was a high pick draft pick by the Dodgers, and so. Obviously, the Dodgers saw something in there. They didn't want to spend the time to figure out if he was really a major league high leverage reliever or not. But the Rangers have. They've kept giving him chances after chances after chances. And so I think that maybe he's going to start getting even more chances, especially after that two-run shot given up by Jonathan Hernandez. I mean, the Rangers had two of their most trustworthy relievers blow outings in this series against the A's. On Friday night, it was Brock Burke who came in and just looked not good in that one. He gave up the three-run shot, the walk-off shot to Brent Rooker, which, I mean, giving up a walk-off home run in extra innings against the A's, who are one of the worst teams in baseball is it's a bad feeling no matter what. But if it's going to happen against somebody, like it might as well be Brent Rooker, who is legitimately a very, very good hitter. He has been a good hitter for a long, long time, and he has been one of the best hitters in all of baseball. If you're going to give up a three-run shot, walk-off shot to somebody on the A's, it might as well be Brent Rooker, but still not an outing where you feel good about Brock Burke. Hernandez also was charged with a blown save, giving up a couple of walks in his one inning of work and also a hit and not striking out anybody. Reagans also gave up a run in his inning of work. Just not great stuff from the Rangers bullpen there. They were able to get um, one game where the bullpen came in, didn't have to do actually a couple games. The bullpen came in and didn't have to do anything in any high leverage situation. They had Will Smith come in and get the save to close out Nathan Eovaldi's near-complete game shutout, and then they got an inning of scoreless work on Friday's 5 nothing win from John King, who was the corresponding move, who was on the 40-man roster when they designated Ian Kennedy for assignment. I'm fine with the King being called up. He had a, a ERA around, I think, Two oh eight in Round Rock this year. A lefty, sinker baller, not going to get a whole lot of strikeouts. Again, not overpowering stuff, which unfortunately is a recurring theme in this Rangers pen, and something that I would very much like for the Rangers to fix, but there's not a whole lot of guys coming on the farm side that are going to go and, and change everything. There's not really a reason to go and trade a bunch of major assets at this point to go ahead and fix the pen. The Rangers are still in first place. They do have a four-game lead in the AL West, and they have guys that are fine enough. I mean, I trust Will Smith in bind. Brock Berg has, has looked Less like last year, Brock Burke, than I would have liked. I mean, Jonathan Hernandez has been up and down, and, well, we, we know how we all feel about Jose Leclerc. One good thing about the Rangers dropping eight runs, there a few good things about the Rangers dropping eight runs in the eighth inning uh, against the A's to close that out, but it gave them some opportunities to give guys who needed low leverage situations um, some work. Yuri Rodriguez was able to come in and throw a perfect inning, and Jose Leclerc did give up the bloopiest of bloopy singles, but struck out the side around that, or if, if you believe that's actually striking out the side, I'm I'm still torn on how I feel about that. But he looked really good in that one inning of work, and just getting Leclerc in there, getting him some low leverage outings, especially against a team like the A's, with an eight-run lead in the ninth, you think, okay, just go out there. Surely you're not going to give up nine runs and the lead and if you're not going to get to that point um, the raiders would not let him get to that point but just go out there get some confidence back Throw some strikes, get some strikeouts. Didn't walk anybody. Was able to get some more first pitch strikes than he had been getting as of late, and get his confidence back. I know it's frustrating watching Leclerc. I know that the walks are an issue. They're they're gonna be an issue for Leclerc. They just are. Um, but right now, in terms of your options of if healthy and right and looking like the better version of himself, Leclerc is one of your better options. Um, when all those things are, when all of those you know, causalities are um, are checked. I mean. He's got the experience and the stuff, and you've got to get him right because you cannot afford to just go ahead and cut bait with him because relievers are expensive, and there are going to be a lot of teams that are looking for relievers at the deadline. The Rangers have a lot of prospect capital, and I always hate – it always feels really bad trading for relievers at the deadline, even if your team is contending and you know you need it. But that's that's where a lot of these trades that end up looking really lopsided, that even the smart teams end up losing – like, you know, uh, Jordan Alvarez, I don't know if you know this, he used to be in the Dodgers system and they traded him to the Astros for a rental reliever. And that guy O'Neill Cruz, who's the 6'5 behemoth shortstop with some of the most insane raw power and raw tools of anywhere on, on the Pirates, the Dodgers had him in their system too and they traded him for reliever. And, and it goes on and on and on. And other trades like that it's like, okay, you got like a year of a reliever. Or two years of reliever, and he ended up sucking the second year, and like it, th- those trades just always kind of hurt. But sometimes they're just what you get a, are gonna have to go ahead and do to win at the big league level. And the Rangers are gonna have to pull at least one trade for reliever, I think, at 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 the deadline, maybe two. And the Rangers have the prospect capital to do that. I think they can stay away from including any of their you know top three ish guys around that time. Maybe Jack Leiter will be. Absolutely dominating, and maybe they'll think about pulling him up in the pen because um, he's got some elite stuff that could play up pretty pretty well in the pen. Owen White, depending on how his season goes, how healthy he is, maybe he, putting him in the pen. He's got you know the nasty mentality of a guy who could be an elite back end guy. But I think both those guys are most definitely better served keeping them on that starters track um, and letting them go out and get you some value there because eventually you're going to have to develop your own homegrown starting pitching, and the Rangers have not done that for a long time. But Bullpens are finicky. I really, I think that a lot of these guys in the Rangers' pen have the ability to be decent relievers and decent ones in high-end situations. I'm not so sure about Yuri Rodriguez. We'll see. I mean, he hasn't pitched in the big leagues that much. The sinker is really, really nasty and I think could play well in some higher leverage situations. It's just about trusting his consistency. He is 25 years old. This, I believe, is his last option year, so the Rangers really need to find out if he is someone who they can trust, at least in a big league pen in lower leverage situations or kind of on the losing side to get you an inning or maybe two innings. You really need to figure out how real Brock Burke is, you really need to figure out how much Jonathan Hernandez can be trusted in high leverage situations. I still think that I, I'm going to trust him, even with this latest outing and a, a couple of bad outings this year. I'm still trusting it, and you really just need to get Jose Leclerc right. But if these are your biggest problems, then that kind of shows where this Rangers team is. The starting rotation is incredibly good. The Rangers offense is incredibly good, and in the regular season battering your way to a bunch of big leads with strong starting pitching and getting a bunch of runs early or getting a bunch of runs in clusters which is what this rangers team has really loved to do whether that's you know late in games or early in games and not having to pitch or play in many of these high-leverage close games late. That's a great way to hide your bullpen in the regular season. It's not something that's necessarily sustainable for the playoffs. But for right now, the Rangers aren't worried about what it's going to be like in the playoffs. They're worried about getting there. They are focused on dominating in this regular season. This 10-game road trip was a huge test for the Rangers. They needed to win all these series. They needed to take advantage of a Seattle team that is scuffling, of an eight Angels team that is kind of directionless and an A's team that is absolutely terrible. You just had to go in there and win three out of four. And the Rangers did that. They won all of those series. They come home, have a really big test against the Braves. And then the rest of this month is not going to be as difficult. They do have a difficult series on the road against the Orioles who are doing very, very well to start the season. That'll be um, an interesting series for sure that you would love to see the Rangers take two out of three um, in Baltimore, but the rangers are taking care of business they have a good trustworthy team and week after week every monday it feels like i'm coming in and proving this point that this is a legitimate contending team this is a team with that is you know is worth buying into this is a team that is good and every week i'm going to say it again and again and again and more and more and more of you are going to start to trust me that this is a good freaking baseball team i know you've been hurt before but this is a team that is worth putting your hope in because it is really fun. It is really freaking good. And it is about time to hop back on that Texas Rangers bandwagon. That's going to do it for today's show. Thank you all so much, again, for making Locked on Rangers your first listen every single day. And until next time, don't forget to enjoy first place Texas Rangers baseball.